What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience to really flesh out some of the best insights, tips, tricks, trends, different practices uh, that these leaders are working on in their space to inspire you to go back to your organization and, and make a big difference. Um, today, we've got another episode with Kevin Gober and I, uh, but we've got a guest joining us, uh, Drew Burst from Dimensional Innovations. Drew's going to go ahead and introduce himself, but I think this is a really good episode. And we spent a lot of time talking about customer experience, especially especially physically and what that looks like in stadiums and arenas. So Drew works for a company called Dimensional Innovations. Uh, they're based out of Kansas City, and they are the closest thing to what I can think of as Disney's Imagineering Group. Uh, so they've got a whole interdisciplinary team of industrial designers, brand strategists, graphic designers, architects, interior designers, content creators, engineers, fabricators, like they're, they're all over the place. Um, and, and they're doing some really cool projects in a lot of different industries from pro sports to college sports, uh, all over the place. They're not just limited to sports either. Uh, they, they work with Disney, Google, uh, different types of companies to ultimately create immersive experiences that generate and drive emotion. So perfect guest to have on the show. Uh, I think Drew's having some really interesting conversations with potential clients and current clients right now about how they rethink the customer experience in a post-COVID age. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation that Kevin Gober and I have with Drew Burst. From Engagement, I'm David Malay, and this is Flip the Switch. Drew, KG, welcome. We got a, another Friday conversation. Um, so we are we are recording this on November thirteenth. But uh, Drew, welcome to the show, man. Friday the thirteenth. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sure nothing will change by the time it posts. The way the world's going right now. Yeah, e- either nothing will change or everything will change. Everything will change. Yeah. Um, so, Drew, uh, look, K- KG and I have been doing a couple of these last couple of weeks, um, but we've got you on the show to jam out with us here and talk about some different trends, insights, uh, things that you've got going on right now. Uh, so why don't you give the group a, an introduction as to kind of who you are and, and maybe we start with kind of what you guys are working on right now. So preseason ranking, by the way, where am I on the guest list in preseason uh, poll? For for KG and I, you're number one because this, yeah, yeah. this is our first guest. <laughs> Top draft pick, man. <laughs> so I won't live up to the hype, but I do appreciate the hype. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, I am a practice director slash executive director for Dimensional Innovations. And the bulk of my focus is on uh, collegiate sports. Um, and then I've got a colleague that focuses on pro sports. But sports is a big part of our business and what we are are experiential designers, which is a fancy way of saying we make cool experiences. Um, and we do that in different sectors, different markets, and we do it a lot of different ways. Um, but the most basic form, right? That's graphics, branding, sponsorship activation, right? Then it moves into interactive technology, right? Uh, virtual environments now, and then even all the way to a gigantic 3d printed torch that's in the end zone of the Raiders new stadium. That's now the world's largest 3d print structure. So, Crazy stuff, um, but all for the purpose of experience at the end of the day. Uh, so give give us an idea of I, – I was looking some stuff up of what you guys had been up to since the pandemic started and the Raiders thing popped up. Give, yeah. give us an idea of what that is. And obviously, there's no fans in the building right now. So how are they utilizing it without fans? I mean, why don't yeah, we start there? So 
it's, you know, it's been, it's, you know, it's a dedication to Al Davis. Um, and it's a pretty amazing project in general, but it's a pretty good example of kind of why we are what we are because we make all our own stuff, right? We can actually vet out crazy ideas. Um, other people can't, right? You have to call on a bunch of stuff. You have to call on a bunch of experts, right? We have it all in house. So people come to us with stuff like that. Uh, but in this case, we had an architect here in town, Manica. It was kind of their vision. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to make this torch and ultimately came to the conclusion that a gigantic LSAM, uh, large scale additive manufacturing, which is a fancy way of saying gigantic 3D printer, um, that it usually makes like airplane molds, stuff like that. We're like, you know, this could work to make panels. So that's what we did. We, there, it's a whole bunch of panels, 3D printed, polished, right? And then put in place to stack up and ultimately make what you see. Um, it's truly a remarkable, remarkably well done, uh, remarkably effective, um, and, and truly a great use of that technology um, that was a ton of fun for us. How how are how do fans interact with it in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, so it's it's evolved a little bit. Um, so initially, we had a fire actually that was fake. So we had a, like it looked like fire, but it was really just smoke and, and lights, uh, smoke and mirrors, truly. Uh, and then that's now changed to uh, it's more of kind of a sculpted fire. It's kind of a digital, uh, if you will. And uh, as I understand it, I think. Um, Mark Davis has access to change it or to, to, to you know, make it go. Um, otherwise, it's truly just sort of a uh, identifying asset. Um, it's a place you might meet. It's a place that makes it immediately recognizable. Um, it's kind of its, its main purpose, if you will. Gotcha. It's a right. So, so it's for the most part, it's I think about the design from some of this stuff in terms of like form versus function. Yeah, so yeah. This, this is one. Of, and you guys do a little bit of both. But this one is for the most part about form and being right. and looking cool. Right. We generally aren't like a huge proponent of design for design's sake. Right. Right. Um, unless it's really going to make an impact and, and that will, right. That'll get more views, more, you know, more notoriety than, than anything out there. That's worth it. Right. Um, so that one is truly about, well, it's about celebrating a legacy without a doubt. Right. Uh, culture, but then it's also, yes, about attention and which is awesome. Yeah. Which is good for them. <laughs> Now, Drew, when, when when folks go back into the, the stadium at some point, will they be able to kind of interact, take pictures around it, have yeah. memorable moments from it? Yeah, pictures, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really kind of the extent of it. So, cool. yeah, it's, it's kind of on the concourse area in the end zone, and it will be a very photographed area for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's go through some of those things, right? We, we put together a Google Doc of, of different yeah. ideas on here that things that you're thinking about. Um, so why don't we just roll off the top one, right? I think you got on here, understanding what history tells us short-term versus long-term. Um, yeah. talk to, you, and you guys just put out a report on this. Talk to us a little bit about what your thoughts are around there and, and KG, then let's just tear it apart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I'm a believer that actually very few situations are all that unique, uh, even, even pandemics. Um, and that history tells us a lot about what likely will happen. Um, and I've had a lot of these discussions and because one, it interests me, um, but two, you know, it's, we need to know, we need to try to figure it out. Um, and we can learn a lot from, from what happened after, you know, the Spanish flu. We can learn a lot about what happened after uh, 9-11. We can learn a lot about what happened, you know, after market crashes um, to get a sense of what likely, you know, happens um, and, and not, don't get me wrong. I can't tell you what's going to happen with COVID other than we know pandemics end, right? Somehow or another, but hopefully in a good way, they end. Um, 
So the, what we can tell is kind of what happens with behavior, right? As you, as you come out of it. Um, we started doing some surveying to kind of figure out what people are, were willing to do and not do when it came to events. So that was a big exercise for us. We did a three surveys over six months with one of my very good friends um, who's an expert in persuasion. Um, and we did that because we wanted to learn what people were afraid of and what would make them come back to stadiums or not. Um, basically, we learned, by the way, that people are afraid of people. So they're afraid of um, right other, how other people have been behaving, been behaving and therefore... Right. They don't want to be near him. I mean, that's um, the biggest thing. I'll jump in. That's one of the biggest things to keep me inside. I don't know what the next person is going to do. Right. Yep. And yeah. right to that point, you're way less worried about uh, the worker. You're way less worried about uh, touchless technology. You're way less worried about it's at the end of the day, the biggest fear for people is people. So we did that because everyone was talking guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. And our point was, of course, you have to abide by them. But that's not the story. That's not the message. We're, we're designing experiences still. We just have a new constraint. Um, so how do you deal with that? Um, and that has, that's been, so that's been a, a big effort of mine, but then it's like, okay, what's going to happen? And what we know in history, if we look at the airline industry, the movie industry, what happens is you have this downturn, right? People are afraid that, you know, they, they feel like kind of, they don't need sports then, right. They start to come back, um, and, and feel better about it and, and long for it. So that's, you know, the first two or three years are ugly. Then you have a big uptick. Right. And years four, five and six, you get back to about normal. But an interesting thing happens and those industries impacted. Oftentimes what people do is they change the offering. So now, right, if you look at the movie uh, theater industry, right, they actually lowered the inventory of seats and made it a better experience. It's a more profitable scenario. So, right. So less seats, more expensive seats. Same thing in airlines. So after 9-11, the airline industry actually, the, despite the need for flights, Airline industries didn't bring back as many flights. So flights became very full, if you remember, right? About five years post 9-11. So as we look at that, we say, okay, in sports, you have to kind of expect that when people are ready to fully come back, you probably need a different offering. You probably need something, right, that is not what you are already offering. Um, and that's got to be a great experience um, because people's appetite are going to be different. So that's kind of the way we're looking at it. What is that, right? Is then is the question, but that's kind of what we look at. I, I, I mean, for me, KG, I don't know what, what triggered you in, in Drew's talk there, but I, I think to me, two of the things of you guys are looking at airlines, you're looking at movie theaters, you're looking at some of these other industries to see how they're changing their offerings to help inspire what we're going to do in the sports space. Um, from a movie theater perspective, you talked about reducing seats and making it a more premium experience. I feel like movie theaters were already moving towards that. Um, where where are you seeing that space go now? And uh, maybe maybe this is where we talk about a little bit more like this ultra premium concept. But yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. go ahead. And KG, feel free to jump in. Yeah, sorry, 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 KG. I mean, uh, if you no go, Drew, okay. Drew, go. So yeah, you, you nailed it, right? So so what, definitely, what happens in these moments is a uh, there's a demand that was already building, and then a moment like COVID, a moment like nine eleven, whatever it may be, right, accelerates that demand. So. I totally agree with you, right? Like higher education is a good example. The, the problems that existed in financial, uh, the financial problems that existed in higher education existed before COVID. Now it's just being exploited. But the same is true in growth, right? Uh, technology is accelerated like Matt. Um, so so the offering that was being you know, put forward in sports, certainly in college to a certain extent pro, 
people were really not wanting to be shoulder to shoulder, right? Jammed in a you know stadium arena um, anymore, right? That was kind of the way the world was going. Um, so now, yeah, that's right. So knowing that trend was there, well, this is going to accelerate everything a lot. So what was 10 years from that? Because now it's only two, mm-hmm. um, right? So now we've got to jump quickly to what that next solution was. And, and in my mind, right, a big missing piece is ultra premium, right? You look at the way, uh, uh, you know, Disney theme parks, all those folks change the offering of, of what you've got to do from, you know, days in advance, you know, all the way through your trip, um, why isn't a sporting event like that? Why isn't it a, you know, a, a true event for multiple days? Um, you know, why can't you sleep in an Airbnb um, outside the stadium? You know, why can't you, uh, you know, stay somewhere and drive a golf cart to the game? You know, why can't it be more fun? And why can't it be longer lasting? Um, that's the stuff to me that, that needs to come next. You know, one of the things that I've said multiple times throughout these last eight months is, uh, once I got over the shock of everything with this pandemic and the death toll and all those things that are going on, it's been what are the positives that we can draw out of this? Right. Because there's always, to your point, Drew, some positives, some some innovations that you can draw out of it. And I think in this sports industry, we've been wanting to move a different direction. Right. But but we're always uh, in, the, in the innovative room, in the think tank room. Uh, Malay, you've got your your blue board, your white board up there, your idea board up in the room there. We're always kind of staying ahead and we have to be ahead and we've got to let society catch up. I think this is going to be an opportunity to your point, Drew, where society is catching up and we're going to kind of have a have this meshing, if you will, of a fan guest expectations with industry new standards. And I think it's going to be a really good marriage. I, I, I've got another question here. Like what, how I work with some traditional, we have some more traditional clients uh, in our arsenal, right? We, we've got innovative ones and we, we've got some more traditional ones. Uh, as we start talking about this ultra premium, I, I know that there's a demographic of executives in sports and entertainment that think, well, well, what about Joe fan? Like, what are we doing for Joe fan? Right. Where, where does he or she fit into this equation? We always got to make sure that they're in our pipeline and that they're coming to games. So as we think about this move to reduce capacity, more ultra premium experiences, longer drawn out experiences, where, where does that, that nosebleed fan sit in the equation? Are they, are they out of the live experience? I mean, I, I don't know. They're going nowhere. Right. So like even right now, if you, if you surveyed, which we did Joe fan, even in the midst of a pandemic, they'd say they go to a game right now, right? They are going nowhere. So that's not you have to worry about. Like they will be there forever to a certain extent. Right? But, but, but unless, unless you price them out and you, and that's you, right. Right. And so that's, totally. I, guess, I guess that's my question is like, if we're starting to say, let's do reduced capacities and we're starting to create a more premium experience for this Mecca, you're coming to the game live in person. Does Joe fan get priced out? How do we, and, and maybe that's okay. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, well, so is a really good example of how, how they approach it. You know, it's really sectioned off sort of by neighborhood, if you will. And everyone, each of those feels like it's premium to you, right? You don't really know what you're missing in the other section. Um, so it's, that's a very good approach that even this price level of basic GA, right, still feels unique to you. And that's definitely kind of the wave in the future. The problem is, is right, that's easy to do when it's brand new, right? If you're building from the ground up. So how do you do that to an existing facility is a little bit of a different animal. But the point is, is you better make GeoFan feel fantastic, by the way, because they've stuck by you. Um, so you don't want to cast that aside. But it's the other offerings that are really going to make the difference on that profit, you know, revenue, all those pieces. Um, and take care of GeoFan. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. K- KG, how how do you guys approach it at State Farm? Because you guys have a recently renovated building. That, go you, ahead. You will read my mind. This is getting scary, man. Four weeks in. All right, because we created an opportunity. And Joe Fan, Josephine Fan, we're not discounting you at all. <laughs> but yes, we created that opportunity that in the 200 level or in the GA section, they don't have to sit in their seats, right? We created, and Drew, you know this, we created this ATL experience, this club, right, this social environment to where you don't have to sit in your seat, but we created sight lines for you where you can stand literally at the bar rail, right, uh, in the 200 level and enjoy the game, just as if you were hanging out at one of our premier establishments throughout Atlanta. Uh, And so I think that's how you continue to engage Joe fan, like, wow, I'm in 200 or 213 or whatever. uh, But you know what? I'm going to go hang out over here around the corner and I can look into other spaces. I can stand up at other spaces. And this becomes a social environment for me. Um, And I think that's how we've really done in in our renovation two years ago at State Farm Arena. That's how we really uh, thought out the plan to to include everyone Um, prior to. It was kind of the way I understand it. It was kind of in in what is uh, Phillips Arena, the haves and have nots. <laughs> you know, you kind of had one section it was all glass, all premium, and everybody else. And we opened it up and made it all inclusive to make sure that uh, we also get that. You know, I'll stick with it that emotional connection with Joe Fan as well. Yeah, it, and it's interesting too. I mean, like I, I think about at Disney, right? Drew, you brought you brought Disney up, right? I think yeah. you brought Disney up. We always talk about yeah. Disney on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and I think about that experience, and it's different, and it's similar to the sectioning, but also like bringing people together. So like if you're if you're a value customer, you're not staying at the Grand Floridian paying five hundred dollars a night. You're staying at Pop Century or one of these resorts that are more in the hundred dollar, hundred fifty dollar range per night. But you're still coming together ultimately at the same park as everybody co mixing. So there's there's personalized sections based on value temperaments. And then there's the coming together to enjoy the product at the end. It's a perfect example, right? Disney, you think of all the different types of human beings that seek Disney. Right. right? Like it's unbelievable. And it's the same with our sports teams. Totally. Yes. That's right. The only, those are a few things that will bring completely different people together, united by the same you know, desire. Um, so you cannot, you can't silo them, right? You kind of want them to see the other side and maybe want to try to move up too, right? It's got to feel like a team, an environment, a tribe, you're all one, but but at the same time, giving them each sort of individual experience. I don't want to fall down this rabbit hole, but I just got to share this example, right? Because you talk about, we're talking about all fans in our venues, okay? And we're talking about, to that Disney example, all type of guests coming to Disney from various, various locations around the world in Orlando, where I worked. Uh, There was one day, a gentleman on Main Street, right in front of the Emporium, where I worked, the retail shop in the Magic Kingdom. He said, look, and he stopped me. He said, look, look at all of this. So I stopped and I looked. He says, we should just have a peace summit right here at the Magic Kingdom on Main Street because everybody's getting along. Okay, so it's 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 the the experience is the center of attention in our venues and our arenas. Right. Where you can take everybody can take a picture, I would imagine, at that example we used out there with the Raiders. Right. Everybody feels a part of it. So you create that experience so that it's no. 
as, as, as my, my Sunday school teacher would say, no respecter of persons, <laughs> right? Everybody has a part in it. And that's how we're looking at this, this thing as we, you know, move back into the arenas and venues. Yeah, well, and the, you know, the fans, the one thing that's interesting about that you have to figure out, too, is atmosphere matters so much in a stadium and arena, right? Also figuring out who's the loudest and who's the most passionate, right? Because you've got you to incite that, too, um, that makes, makes the experience very unique. So that's the other thing you can't sort of detract from, I think, of many venues that got built in the 90s that became so generic. And you took these home court advantages, right, that became garbage because there's no atmosphere, there's no sound, there's no, right? Um, I think we've gotten better at that, but that's the other piece is making sure these people are the loud ones, put them here. Let's make sure we you know, get these folks as raucous as we can. Uh, not to, not to go off on a tangent on this, Sorry. but but what conversations have you been a part of drew or thoughts of like to, to that, to that point of having that home field advantage, you, we've put so much money and time and effort and thought into designing these stadiums to make them loud. And now we're at 25% capacity and and we're not going back to hundred percent capacity anytime soon. Have you yeah. been a part of any of those conversations that are like, okay, how do we actually optimize the atmosphere in bowl yeah. uh, at stadiums right now? And and what, what things have you heard? What are you thinking about there? Cause I know a lot of people are struggling with that. Yeah. So I mean, there's a couple of things to a certain extent, you just kind of have to let it be a wash, right? You, like it's, so let's start, let's do it this way. One huge difference right now is you're trying to basically um, rein in negative emotions where normally we're trying to enhance positive emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Right now I'm trying to reduce anxiety, reduce your fears, reduce your concerns. So I can't quite build up your app, you know, build up your energy as you walk into the facility. Cause right now, you know, anxiety is growing as you're walking into the, to the gate, right? So what we're doing, our focus has been on simplifying messaging and, and not talking about COVID, right? So Zoom's a good example. We gave everyone a color and a number. That's all you have to remember. Like you don't have to, there's no traffic only goes this way. Nothing like that. Just remember your color and number, go in that entrance, sit in your seat. You're good. Right. Where, where, wait, where is this at? That was in Mizzou. At Mizzou. So okay. Every section, its own color and number. And you entered in your specific entrance, exited that way, stayed in your section, stayed in your color, stayed in your number. Nothing about COVID, nothing about guidelines, right? They're all followed, but I mean, but the messaging isn't about that, but that becomes hard still to then make it emotional, right? It's, it's still hard to stir that up. Um, and truly, it often becomes about the venue. So the Chiefs are a good example. It's still pretty loud with 20,000 people because of how it's made, right? Uh, some folks are pumping in sound. And the truth of the matter is, many people are not getting their 20,000 sold in football, right? Like the people just don't want to go. Like they're just not there yet. And right. like when the Big Ten, for example, postponed their season, they took a ton of heat. The truth is we were surveying at the time and that, that was every bit the right decision from a fan perspective. They were not ready to come back. Right. And there's nothing you can do to overcome that. Like there's, I can't make, I can't make you be ready to come back. Um, so for, for the moment, it's just sort of, you know, stem the tide and uh, right. And, and make people feel comfortable. And then we'll worry about passion, you know, here to come. Cause right now it is the Joes that are in there, by the way. No, hundred percent. And I think that's where, you know, we right at the beginning, like we switched our terminology from, you know, normally at engagement, we're all about helping organizations create surprise and delight and those different moments all along the journey. But now it's like, okay, how can we switch from surprise and delight to safe and comfortable? And I I, I think we're still there for the next, the next year or two. I mean, we'll we'll see. I'm hoping testing changes our game. That's kind of what we're betting on a little bit. Um, The testing to enter might help us change that a bit. I hope. 
I hope. Yeah. Uh, something that you said triggered uh, triggered another thought in my head as we think about venue design and how we how we create venues that actually enhance experiences. When we think about these old buildings and renovating old buildings, a lot of what we talked about was sectioning. I mean, even from making the building structured in a way so that it's loud. Yeah. I mean, again, work with some clients where we've got really old, th- your classic erector set stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do there? Do you just blow it all up? Or I mean, what what are like the little little things that you can do? I, that's a really loaded question that we could have. No, no, no. It's, it's a great one because, right, you always... Just look at baseball. It's always been a good example. What venues were always known as the most glorious? They're the most uncomfortable. Cubs, right? Wrigley, Boston, right? They're they're really uncomfortable uh, facilities, but they're amazing experiences. And I, so this is why I had trouble when I was an architect, or sorry, when I was in architecture. I'm not an architect. I always get so sad when people were tearing down or moving out of their old, or old venues. Right? I think of Barnhill at Arkansas. I know there's not enough bathrooms. I know it's really hot, but it is the most amazing environment, right? It's the most passionate environment. It's a home court advantage. And like Alan Fieldhouse at KU is a good example. Cameron at Duke's a good example. You know, it's okay that they are uncomfortable, right? Because it's an unbelievable experience. You know, the pro level is a little different animal because it's a longer season, right? It's a, it's a different ball game. Um, but what's interesting, interesting to me in pro and basketball, right, is those those first 10 rows, right, is, is like 90 percent of your revenue, right, like 80 percent of your revenue. Like basketball is interesting. Pro basketball to me is interesting in that um, it's actually not about the entire venue. Sometimes it's actually looking at the you know X number of rows is really where most of the action there you know, happens. Uh, yeah, Kevin, I don't you can confirm that for me or deny that for me, but. Um, that, that, those are the revenue spots. <laughs> yeah. um, so like it, it doesn't have to, you have to change everything um, as much as you have to understand your fans, right. And, and kind of who is what and how many you have of them and where to put them. Right. The, 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 there's some companies that have studied, for example, in soccer, like how often and where is the ball most often in, on the field? We'll make sure that section's the loudest, right? Like that's the smart thinking that isn't really about the facility as much as it's about where you see, see people. Right. Um, football, same way. So um, it doesn't have to be totally changed and then also embrace the history of it um, because you can never make a facility like that again. It'll never meet a code, right? So <laughs> short of it being terrible and literally like, you know, unlivable, um, I'm a big believer in, in, in keep it. Like stay in there. It is a, it is a forever unique environment. But, and, and you guys uh, feel free to shoot me down if I'm I'm wrong at this, and we'll immediately switch topics, and maybe we'll even cut it out. But uh, you got you guys did a lot of work at Notre Dame Stadium, right? Did we? Did I don't know? Yeah, did you? Yeah, we did a little bit. Um, a little, little bit, like, a little bit. VIP center, like were they so you could go and see what it's like to if you're going to buy a suite, their experience yeah. center. Um, but then beyond that, no, not a ton of work there. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying. I, I thought I thought that was a good example of taking an old stadium, kind of repurposing, and, and, yeah. and doing some great jobs to keep the lore and tradition of the stadium while bringing in some modern advancements. Hey, let's stay. Let's stay here for just a second, right? Yeah. Because uh, you know, in, in my arena, State Farm Arena, yeah. uh, old, you know, Phillips Arena, and and probably closed up like some of the arenas, concourse wise. I talked about the have and have nots. I think it'd be important to talk about what goes into the conversation and decision making. Cause it sounded like Drew, you were some of those, you know, stadiums, you mentioned one of my favorite Wrigley field. I'm a Cubs guy. Uh, but, but some of those venues, you know, 
the history and the heritage. You even yourself were tied to some of them. Right. So what goes into that conversation with the executives and looking at a renovation coming out of the history and tradition and how to remake it? What, what's that thought pattern look like? Yeah, I mean, right. So the, the, the biggest thing at, at first is what problem are you trying to solve? Right. Like what what are you and then what is the problem? And I think a lot of people get caught up in the trap of it just needs to be new, right? It needs to be uh, you know, state of the art. And, and it misses the point of like, you're the Cubs. You know, we'll use them as a good example. Don't change that. Like, don't change your core. It's, a, it's the example I use of Coke and New Coke, right? Coke thought they needed a new formula. It, you know, when they came out with New Coke back in the day and they quickly realized, oh my God, the formula is us. Like, that's what we are, right? And jump back to it. The, the Cubs or the Red Sox or whoever it may be, the Jayhawks, right? Their formula is part, that old facility is part of that formula. So self-awareness of, of your facility, of your fans and your culture, right, is, is really, really important. Um, but then there's just places that just suck, right? Like you're arguing <laughs> that flat out suck. But that's way easier because it's the same exercise, right? Because now you really do get to find out and mine the stories of like, gosh, I didn't realize the Kings, right, were about this. Like, you didn't know this about, um, you know, the, the Sacramento Kings at the time because you know, they're in Arco. They have a pretty amazing you know, fan base, but their front row seats were fold-out chairs. You know, like, it was like, this is, this is an easy one. I can handle this, right? You can, I can dig out that information. So, um, but that is, at first, it is learning everything you possibly can about the Hawks, right, or whoever the client is in the fan base and the demographics and the needs, desires before you ever design anything. Before you ever plan anything, um, so, really so so that's an interesting note though. Like the first thing starts with what is the problem that you're trying to solve, and and coming into this, I, I you know part of me thought, man, I wonder how Drew's business is actually doing right now. Like how, how is Dimensional Innovations doing? Because I can't imagine a lot of people are going down this this Raiders route of building a giant 3D printed. Uh, torch that's that's for form but if the conversation truly does start around what is the problem that you're trying to solve well shit there there's every single executive has a new problem that did not exist six months ago which is how do we bring fans in safely comfortably and go back to this ultra premium and all the things that we've been talking about these are now new problems that might have been on some people's radar before but are now accelerated so i i think I'm jumping to the conclusion now that you're actually having some good conversations with people right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, you know, it's been a great, it's been a, it's been the most rewarding year of my life personally. Right, got to spend time with my family. Strangest year of my life professionally, but I thrive in chaos and crisis. So, and the reason is is that in those moments is nothing but ideas. Right, innovation reigns. Um, right, in, in those times, and and I'm, I work for a company that is so good at figuring out those problems because of the expertise that lives within it. So right now, virtual, right? So technology is a really important part of people's needs. We do that, right? Um, We are engineers, we're sculptors, we're 3D printers, we're designers, right? So if if we can come up with an idea together with a client, right? We can figure it out Um, and no one else can really do that. So we're really well positioned in this moment. Um, that, that being said, right, I work in college sports, not going really well, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But we're diverse. So we have transportation, right. entertainment, pro sports, right, um, healthcare. So because we build our own, stu- own stuff and we're uh, we're diverse, right, in our markets, we're, we're great. Like we're doing, life is good. Um, but college sports is weird for me. So I've worked a lot on COVID testing. Um, you know, so my world spilled into some crazy problems I never thought I'd try to figure out. But 
Um, the good news I said from the beginning, temporary, it's about experience. So the situation we're dealing with is a temporary problem of some type, right? Years maybe, but still temporary. And, and, and therefore solutions need to be temporary and about experience. And that's what we've been able to kind of accomplish for, for our clients in the short term. And people are very receptive to it. So we don't have to come in and change everything about your facility. Just we need to make sure our solutions fit within the existing footprint um, can come down and, and uh, you know, let's wait for the next year. Hey, you know, you know, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be you for a second, Malay, and I'm I'm gonna change it just slightly here, uh, our direction. Uh, and you sent the article, and I was looking at what the Masters is doing. Of course, I spent most of the day watching that yesterday, right? And as I as I dug into the article, it's like I can have Masters food at home. I can watch it in the comfort of my home. I can get my put my gear on because last week some of the guys and I we were talking about man we don't we can't go this year right you know because it's right at the road but they're they're infusing this this not digital necessarily TV which is normal what we get but they're making you a part of the experience by buying a ticket in order to buy the food and the merchandise, you know, so so they're still including you. And I think, Drew, to your point, that slow walk back to what does next April look like if it's yep. April, right, with the Masters. Uh, I think that's a that was that was a great deal. Uh, really, really big, uh, yep. which, again, the bubble, the NBA was successful in the bubble. When you talk about digital and technology, right, very successful where I can sit in the comfort of my own home. But then one of the articles I was reading earlier was saying I felt compelled to put on the right team's gear, my team's gear, because I didn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, I felt compelled to be in the moment. So how many times are you at home watching a game on the TV when you're doing other things? Me, I'm grilling and doing all the other kinds of things, right? But I'm compelled to be in the moment when they had the bubble going on. So that digital uh, transformation, that technology, that, that, that change, right, on a dime for all that we're doing, the NBA with the Masters, we're still keeping people engaged. I think it's big. What what's interesting to me is I I don't think the master I'm curious to y'all's thoughts on this like the master's example as good as it is like I don't think that's going away. I, I, you you mentioned you mentioned like it's that's part of the slow walk to get back to the arenas like I think that people are going to really like that and like even when we have full fully packed golf courses at Augusta yeah. we're still going to be doing that for fans yeah. at home. Absolutely. Right? I mean I don't I don't know if double the revenue here. For going double forward. the revenue yeah. Yeah. About yeah. It. yeah. And the Again. NBA, so what was for me, the Masters is amazing because you think of this old, for lack of a better phrase, right? An old, very, uh, very conservative entity is actually really forward thinking, right? And how they approach that tournament. It's kind of amazing to me. But the NBA to me is, is very reflective of the culture of, I feel like the relationship between players association, right? And ownership groups, the NBA is, is as good as any pro league. Yeah. yeah. And the results are there, right? Look at what the NBA did and how innovative it was, how they approached it. Right versus other leagues, other than maybe the NHL, who I think took a pretty fun approach. But and, and the NHL is even talking about right realigning in the short term, like that's forward thinking. But the, the NBA's approach to me is is a fascinating one in the study of the importance of the health of an overall league and what you can accomplish together. They've embraced the younger generation. They've embraced technology, right, and, and they've embraced each other. And the results are there. Like you just you see how much better to me that was than than others. I'm, I'm, I'm wait. I'm such a bad hockey fan. You, you mentioned the NHL. Like what? Wait. What? Are, what all are they doing? Just for anybody listening that's unfamiliar with it. 
But yes, yeah, so, well, the, the, to me, the, I think, again, what I really liked was the newest announcement, which is they're seriously considering realigning their their teams, their divisions uh, for the upcoming season for the purposes of travel, right? So that you stay in your, your regions, which is something I thought college should have done from the get-go, right? Just call it a different year and just realign yourself so you have to drive three hours for every game. Um and the fact that the NHL is doing that, thinking that, right, which has way more at stake yeah. than, you know, we don't see that other places. I just, I think that is fascinating. I think that's a really smart thinking. And, and that's kind of our plan as well, right? Kind of, kind of that, that baseball approach, you know, we have home stands, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll play, you know, I don't know, we'll play the magic twice, you know, in three days kind of thing, right? To eliminate travel as much as possible. Uh, again, I said, I said a little bit ago, right? This pandemic has, is bringing some positives out, right? Some some really innovative thinking. I mean, Drew, you and your organization, I see them as very innovative and, and disruptors, right, in the industries that you represent. But I think this is really pushing us and opening up execs and companies to say, mm, they say a thing different. I really need to think different. Yep. Yeah, now you can. When you can change, like these are the moments you get to change however you want because you can. Like they're yes. all, all better off. You can you have to. Speaking of change, uh, Drew, one of the things you put in here to maybe talk about was kind of this, like how technology adaptation and adoption has just expedited, gone from what would have been 10 years is now happening in two years, that the speed at which things are transformation. You you mentioned the masters and like as traditional as they are, they got a big partnership with IBM and they are so, so good on, on the so tech good. side of things. So how, wh- what part of, I guess, what conversations have you been a part of? What have been some of the most exciting conversations that you've been a part of recently around this digitization of the customer fan experience? Yeah. So we're really, like, give, me the, give me, give me the weirdest, the weirdest, like most exciting ones. We are. So uh, this is, I am really, truly, I do not normally do this. I'm going to talk about something we're doing because I think it's honestly a game changer. So we are right now, they're called virtual briefing centers, but we actually have an immersive digital environment that like 25 to 30 of us can log into, share information and, and interact. And it is, it is basically all the goods of, of, uh, of, of video technology right now, right? So it's, it's a 360 environment based on a facility, right? It's, it's sharing information, video, right? Content all within this really cool space. And that has applications in every industry. But as we look at, so let's say college, for example, right? It could be donors, it could be recruiting. If we look at pro, right? It could be major fans. It could be administration. It could be, you know, your, your ownership meetings, but an environment that is totally unique in that, we're going to have the Zoom uh, people when it all, we all change, right? People are going to still do video, right? Meetings. And for the first time ever, everyone's doing them, but there's some fatigue to it, right? So to me, what will last is a, a genuinely unique virtual environment, right? So that it's, we'll go back to meeting in person. We might have some initial calls and video, but then we're, all, we're still going to want to regather. So what's going to replace some of those meetings, if 20% of the in-person meetings do go away for profitability and all of that, then, then how will you meet? And to me, what we're working on is, is absolutely the solution. And I am super excited about how I can play. So, um, so, so wait, so it's a physical room with video elements. I, I, I'm, yeah, not, so, I'm lost on the, I'm picturing it. Here's the easiest, easiest way for me to describe it as it's as the prototype is 
you literally log in and you are in my office. So you are in our building, right? And you have control of your screen, right? You can you can spin around and look around while I'm talking to you and I can present you information. Um, and we can plug in, in and out all sorts of information um, you know, based on who it is. And it could be for any space. So it is 10,000 times more interactive, right? Very personal, right? So uh, so far more intimate. Um, so it's not intended to be a, a mass, you know, uh, thing, but it's it's a way for people to engage like they never have before. Um, hey Drew, let me jump in. Hey Drew, so yeah. so are you in in your space? Right, I would imagine you're working with diagrams and blueprints and all those things. that you think about building renovations, are you able to have some of those meetings that way as well? That's right. So we could bring you into the environment, right? So so mind you, we're early, but so if we're working on your project, the way we could do it is actually take you into your project virtually. Nice. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly kind of the, like, to me, that's like, okay, like, I'm, that sounds cool. Like, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm done with Zoom, right? Like, I, I'm so sick of Zoom meetings now, you know, because it's just, I don't need to see everyone's face, right? Let, let us know <laughs> if you need beta testers. Yes. Um, yeah, very but, but it's, but it's interesting because I think that plays into a lot of what, what KG and I intend to talk about around employee experience. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wonder, Drew, the implications of that, of now being able to, you, you know, you and I both spent a lot of time in the college space and some of these college towns, right? It's in the middle of the middle of nowheresville. And and if I'm trying to recruit top talent, it's a little bit of a challenge. So now does this kind of give you a does this give you obviously you've got to have the mindset to be able to say, yes, we will hire somebody that lives in Denver, even though our our universities in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it gives you a little bit more flexibility from what it sounds like to hire remote employees and still have them feel yeah. a part of the team. Thousand percent, Yeah. And, or recruits yeah, to your point. That's exactly right. It's, it's a way to truly create the same kind of emotional feel you get by meeting in person, right? It's kind of involve all your senses except for smell. But that, right. We're tr- you, the whole point of us at the end of the day as a company is to create emotion. That's what we're doing. Right. Our, we buy based on emotion. We make decisions based on emotion. It's really hard to do that in, you know, in, in video conferencing. Um, yeah. So that is exactly kind of the goal of this space is to make you feel, not just talk. That's a good thing. Cause that's, you know, I talk about that all the time, you know, in this, in this space, it's all about everything we do. Okay. How much money we spilled on the renovation, on the new build, on the new hire, whatever the case may be, it's about that emotional connection. Right. How can we get to that emotional connection, which is at the heart of the experience? Yep. Yeah. And the experience might be walking through the venue, taking pictures uh, with the venue of the venue, but also, you know, how the people made me feel throughout that experience. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's what we say the sports. What is your product? Right. To us, sport, the sports product is an emotional experience unlike any other. Right. That's your product. So yep. whatever we do has to enhance that. Right. And, and or. Or certainly not detract from it. Right. Drew, how else in the conversations, especially uh, from the, I think we just covered a little bit from on the employee side, almost that's where if that feels like that fits a little bit, but where else on like the customer side of things, are you seeing this digitization, this, this expedited speed of digital transformation where, what are some of the other really weird, exciting conversations that, that you had? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, the weirdest one we have is you're in the middle of doing a whole bunch of touchscreen interactives. And guess what's not very popular right now? Touchscreen. How you solve for that is that's one of the more complicated challenges you have is that, you know, will the world move entirely away from touch and go to gesture? Um, 
So that's weird. Um, wait, wait, go, 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 go into that more. You can't just. Yeah, so, right, so we do a ton of interactive technology. Historically, that might be touchscreen or something to that effect. Well, people don't want to touch stuff right now. So, right. So instead, you can like think about Xbox gesture control, right? So, so instead, it sort of needs to move that route, maybe, or you have to prove you clean it all the time. Or so we're in the midst of these major interactive experiences for different clients, and you kind of have to like pivot in the middle of design to figure out, okay, when this opens in a year and a half, how are people going to feel about the touch, right? The, the touch piece. Um, but then, yeah. So, so then. We had what was cool for us is the adoption of of video conferencing with our clients was great. We, a number of our clients had never been on a video conference, which was amazing to me. Right now, you have an adoption level never seen before. But now, as I kind of said, you have fatigue. So um, one thing that's challenging for us is and interesting for us is figuring out how our clients are going to communicate, right? Both with their fan base, with their constituents, and with us. Like, it, are people going to return to in-person? Are people going to, right? Are, are people going to return to pep rallies, right? They're doing virtual fan fests now, right? So what percentage of this world is going to remain that way? Kind of like we were talking about with the masters. Like some of this is a stopgap and some of it's a really cool idea. And so, like, so that's for us figuring out what expertise we need in-house for what our clients are going to want is a huge kind of balancing act because it, it'll take a few years to sort of play out what people really want to keep and what they don't. Um, that one's, that, that's, that's our biggest kind of weird challenging stuff that we're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the interesting conversation to me is like, where, where do sponsorships and like fan fest mm-hmm. fit into mm-hmm. all of this? Right. Like I, I think about traditional, your traditional, especially college fan fest, right. It's super high touch, super high interactions, and that no longer exists. And like, how how are you going to replicate that type of environment digitally? Does that even happen? Like, where does it go? So, so yeah. talk a little bit about some of the conversations you've been thinking about around where this future of sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for bringing that up. Because no, so here's our kind of opinion: you don't replicate, right? It's just got to be something new and unique. So. Uh, some good examples are in the museum space. You do not want to just go online and tour a museum digitally, right? Like you, you need content that engages you with that brand that is totally unique from something you get right in, in person. So we're not trying to replicate the in-person scenario. It's more of engaging on a new platform. Um, so that has been a huge push kind of on two fronts. You have a cord cutting that's happening right now, again, that's accelerated. So digital rights, right, in the digital consumption of content is a really cool frontier in my mind that some organizations and, and certain institutions are going to just crush it because they're going to get it more than others. Um, and then the the need to make uh, interacting with brands organic to the experience as opposed to like this brought to you by X, Y, or Z. But instead, like when I engage with this digital interaction, like it's got to feel organically Geico or, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's truly got to be part of the experience. That has been a huge push for us. We've got three, four clients right now where it is about creating these interactives, uh, digital experiences that are, are really fun and cool for you and sort of, you know, subliminally, subliminally, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Are, are putting the brand into that, that space and that experience. It truly feels like part of it. That is, to me, really where the world is going, without a doubt. 
KG, I feel like you guys were, again, a lot of this stuff was, these were conversations that were already happening pre-pandemic, but the pandemic is speeding it up. Like KG, I feel like at State Farm Arena, you guys have done a good job with some of those partnerships, integrating it in. But like one of the ones that I still have not seen yet that I'd love to see that we were talking about one of our clients with was, you know, if you've got really far away parking lots, why not have golf carts that say, you know, save 15 minutes on your walk, save 15 minutes, save 15% on your car insurance with Geico, right? Like that's a super, that's like a, it feels more organic than just like presenting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that'll hit them, hit them after the fact, after they blown away that we drove them to the door on a golf cart. You're presenting service. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. Uh, uh, And, and we did a lot of that with, with our voting, with early voting, we drove people to multiple entrances on golf carts from one of our lots. Right. And it was wow kind of thing. But yes, hit them with a sponsor, right? Or the the golf cart is is set up with the sponsor's look. You don't even have to talk about it, right? Because again, we're going to have right now less people in the venues. They're not going to even see that, you know, the board around the the, the the court and around the arena or that, that you know, in our space, that Verizon tower, you know, they're not going to see these things, you know. So how do we, how do we uh, digitally, you know, and with them out being our buildings continue to Im- impact that because it's still going to be a big part of all of our business sponsorships, right? And those corporate okay. relationships, we need them. And David, you, uh, you hit on this, the, Right. So 9-11 gave rise to privacy laws, like reducing lack of privacy laws. And now we're seeing now what you have is basically all the data anyone is ever going to need is now out in the world because of the adoption of technology. at such a high rate right now. And that, to me, is a huge part of the next frontier. Data has always been said to be important. What to do with it has always been a challenge, especially in sports. Right. Some have got it really right and some really have not or, or just haven't done anything with it. That to me is the other frontier here that is accelerating that the data we are able to gather to put towards a real ROI, to put towards real measurements of, of what your sponsor is getting out of this, or your fans getting out of this. That's the other frontier tier here that we are seeing and moving fast on what needs to be measured, what needs to be gathered and what do you do with it? Um, it's always been a conversation, but now it's very real. Yeah. It, go ahead, KG. No, I was just going to say, right, because I had weekly meetings after games, uh, after action meetings, nothing new that uh, you heard of. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there are listening have had these after action meetings, after events, after games. And it's that data, those survey information results. What can we do right now before this next event to impact this live experience? Yep. And yes, Drew, to your point, all that's going to change. Mm-hmm. What we need to collect and what we can do with it, all that's going to change in the interim. Good. It, it's uh, it's interesting too. I mean, again, Drew, you and I spend a lot of time in the college space. I think Pro does a much better job of this, but I, I think there's been a lot of colleges that, in general, have just been resistant to go collect the data in the first place because they they are cognizant of like, well, we don't know what the hell we would do with it, so why would we go? Yeah, why, why would we go get it? Um, and I, again, that just that just has to change. But but even I mean, like right now, we so we've been rolling out this new digital tool. Uh, we don't, we don't even have a website up yet, but we've got a couple clients that are, that are using it. Um, yeah. it's called, we're, we're calling it now checked in, uh, uh-huh. kind of like LinkedIn, but it's like a new way to check people in and it, it solves a bunch of different problems that are non COVID. So basically you're a game day worker, you get texted, um, 
you get texted a, a link to sign up and that you're going to work that game and you go through your COVID checks, whatnot. It gives you a QR code. As soon as you get to the arena, you just scan your QR code and it prints out a credential for you. So it saves the whole, the whole uh, checklist on a clipboard kind of thing. But as we're thinking about that now, we're like, all right, well, now that we're collecting all that data of all these new employees and how many games they're working and all, what do we do? What, are, what reports need to be spit out from this? Like, how do we actually spit that out to make it useful? So I, I do think that that whole conversation is those are all really conversations. Happening. That's a really cool tool, man. We'll have to talk offline about yeah. what engagement's doing with that tool, yeah, right? Yeah. Because that's one of the pain points for employees. And I don't want to get back into employee experience right now, but that's one of the pain points. Checking in to the venue. Right. You've got multiple places that you got to come in. You got to stand in line. And we still need to make that a seamless experience so that they, again, can treat our, our guests right. So I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that uh, offline, Malay, uh, that piece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Program college, you're right. Like college, if in fairness, college has got 10 venues, right? Four databases. Right. How do you make all that work? And then they've got a grad assistant managing that. So like, I right. understand it's a different animal than pro. But uh, it is one that they could just advance. Again, right now you have a budget shortage, though. There's, if there's ever been an opportunity for you to make changes in higher education, college sports, now is the time, right? Because no one's going to be mad at you for you know, trying that. <laughs> and, and Drew, I, I got to imagine things like that where, where you guys, maybe not primarily, because I think you've always done a little bit of both, where you guys primarily would have got brought in for these headline grabbing, really cool, attractive things, at least in the last five years, especially. I feel like now you guys are going to get brought into a lot of conversations of, hey, this is not the sexiest thing, but it's going to help us get better and deliver a better experience. That's right. That's kind of been this year for me. Um, College sport, or sorry, pro sports, right? We've done so SoFi Raiders. So we've had a bunch of that uh, you know, work that's now finishing up and it's sort of a renewed focus on exactly that, right? Experience is going to be redefined in sports at all levels. Um, and we will be at the forefront of helping to define that, helping our clients define what they want that to be. Um, and all the things we just talked about, right, are, are that new equation that, that, again, they were there. Yes, the capabilities were there. The demand may have been there. But no one was taking it seriously because the world was working just fine. Not anymore, right? So now, now, now it accelerates. So what are you going to do? And we're very well positioned to do that because of all that we do. Love it. Cool. Well, Drew, uh, where can people reach you? Follow along your journey. Uh, yeah. you, you guys are putting out some good reports at Dimensional Innovations. I mean, uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, so website d i m i n dot com. Demand d i m i n dot com. Uh, me, so Drew Burst, I'm D Burst, which is B as in boy, E-R-S-T at D-I-M-I-N.com. Or call myself, 913-991-0361. Might as well. You right. just put it out there, man. Oh, okay. Skip the DMs and go yeah. right to the cell, man. I'm on Twitter and stuff, but honestly, you know, you want to talk, call me. Uh, please call me. Yeah, I actually put- phone call. It doesn't have to be Zoom. It doesn't have to be video. Just good old-fashioned phone calls. I'll put this on top. I'll put this on top of Drew. You know, uh, I came into State Farm Arena just at the conclusion of the of the renovation, a major renovation. And and your team was man involved with that. An amazing job. Our fans love, love, love our arena, um, what it was and what it's going to be. They're going to love it even more. But but great work, man, that you guys do, Drew. So appreciate it. 
Thank you. That's a shout out to Justin Wood as well, my colleague, who's, who really heads up our pro pro work. So Wait, thank you. Before we wrap up, KG, what's your favorite part of the renovation? My favorite part, man, uh, actually is kind of Atlanta Social. Uh, I hate it's it's Atlanta Social is kind of like three dimensional for me, right? You've got your I'll, I'll call it lobby area where you can just come in and hang out, and that's where we serve our food and drink and things like that. You got your cabanas where you kind of sitting back, chilling, kicking your feet up. Uh, then you kind of got what I call your lounge area, which is you know right below the cabanas. If you want to sit and chill, have a conversation, you know, back in the day, you know, in the movie theater, you mentioned Drew is where we would yawn and then put our arm around right. the young lady. <laughs> right. Right. It's kind of three dimensional in there for me, man. ATL so and uh it's just a fun space yeah it's a fun space too cool all right uh well that's an episode uh we'll see you guys later drew appreciate you being on kg as always man good stuff always thank you guys really appreciate it hey you guys have a great weekend hey guys before you head out just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show if you enjoyed it head over to itunes to subscribe rate and leave a review That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.